Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond Rich. How are we doing? Well, Jordan, let me start this way. I, I, we, we have a friend. I don't know if you know we have a friend, but uh, uh, Roger Lodge, who does the uh, afternoon drive in in for uh, AM eleven uh, excuse me AM eight thirty in uh, in down in Orange County. So gracious to have me on almost every week. Always plugs our podcast, and he asked me at the end of last week a two pronged question: Do the Rams need to win this game against Carolina, and do they need to win it looking good? And I said yes, they need to win it, but they can win it by any means necessary. And I think as I watched yesterday's game, that was the prevailing thought that I had running through my head. This is not pretty. This is not always great looking, but I think they're going to come out with the win here. And they did 24 to 10. We've got a lot to dissect here, Jordan. Two very different halves for the offense. We saw some life in the second half. We saw them moving the ball. We saw them score touchdowns. Even running touchdowns, Jordan. They ran the ball into the They ran the, the ball zone. inside the 10. They ran the ball inside the 10. <laughs> Daryl Henderson looked very good running the ball. We'll get to that. Um, but Jordan, there's a lot going on here. And obviously, we're now into the bye week. Uh, the Rams are three and three. Still placed pretty well in that division, despite all the trouble that they've had. Um, but Jordan, we're going to learn a lot in the next few days here. We're recording here on, on um, Monday morning. Um, we're going to find out uh, what's going on with Joe Noteboom. Very unfortunately, had to leave the game with uh, what Sean McVay kind of hinted at might be an Achilles issue. Uh, we're probably going to find out more about Cam Akers and what that situation is um, in the coming days here. So we'll start with that caveat that there's going to be some news to come. Um, but Jordan, why don't we why don't we jump into that? Because it's obviously been a a big topic of discussion and you have been all over it. And of course, as these things go, um, there are certain national reporters on Twitter who love to uh, tweet things on Sunday that you had pretty much been uh, reporting for days. So very confusing situation. And of course, in the absence of information, there's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of rumor, uh, that sort of thing. And, and we don't like that, but we accept it as a as a reality. So where are we with that, Jordan? And what are we expecting uh, to happen between now and and when the Rams do get back on the field in in 13 days? With Cam Akers, I'm expecting I'm expecting him to be moved, uh, whether it's by trade. They are actively looking at trade possibilities. I do know that um, per multiple sources in the building. And you kind of saw the the writing on the wall there, you know, Friday when Sean McVay, I asked him directly point blank. You, you guys go back and watch that press conference because I think it, it tells you everything you need to know about the situation in that when I asked Sean directly about whether he expected Cam Akers to be a part of the team moving forward, his response was, we're working through that right now. And that's Sean for all his sort of squirreliness on some of the injury stuff and all of that, like, and when it comes to transactions, not a poker face to be found on that man. Not at all. So I think that this is a situation where you're kind of in a window where Cam Akers, first of all, I, I do want to say Cam Akers is, is a really good kid and he's a really good football player. And I think that right now the Rams in general are going through some things and he's maybe going through some things in terms of his particular sense on how he fits within the offense versus what the team's overall plan might be. And you've seen some of the the things that have come out 
over the last several weeks, Rich and I talked a lot in the summer about how odd it was that the two backs had sort of the what the team said was the same injury that they recovered from at the same time and on the same day. And then, you know, f- further, you know, Sean McVay's comments about being frustrated that the running backs weren't in practices the entire offseason, um, which kind of is at odds with if it were an injury. I don't know that a coach would sit there and come out and be frustrated. Like you can't help being hurt <laughs> if right. you're if you're hurt. And then and then also his comments about needing to see more urgency from from Cam Akers. And that was really rare public comment for him. That was sort of the the warning shots, in my opinion, because he almost never comes out publicly and sort of chastises a player like that. And, and yes, he follows up with, and I love Cam and I want to help him be successful. But then you see this this run game you know, continue to be inconsistent. And the caveat here, there's a lot of issues up front, but then you have Liam Cohen who is coming out this last week and saying he needs to see more creativity from the backs, even when the blocking is there. And this isn't in a vacuum. This is also a bunch of people who are saying they need to scheme better. A bunch of people saying that the line needs to block better. They need to stay healthy. They need to communicate. But with all that being equal, that that was the response. So you've kind of seen this thing simmering. Um, I believe in Cam Akers. I think that he will, if, if, and when he does move on from this team, I think he, he will maybe benefit, you know, from a fresh start or maybe being um, thrown into a leadership role where he has to sort of grow and, and develop. And we've seen this happen a lot of times with players who, um, you know, it just sounds to me, I mean, when you're excused, from practice for multiple days in a row and the team citing personal injuries and and I'm asking if he's okay and they're saying yeah he's okay and he's physically well then you sort of think this is they're they're trying to figure out what that change of scenery might look like so I think that this is what we're looking at right now this is a nuanced situation I've seen a lot of just disappointing and disheartening stuff about this um sort of on twitter and and even in the the comment section of uh the athletic which um is a renowned across the company as we we you know other writers are jealous of how great our comment section is um and so i i do want to say you know as we move forward like let's think about this with with some nuance and and about the people who are growing and changing and all of these things that are happening in a very tense, what has been a very, very tense and stressed out building over the last couple of weeks and what that might feel like. Um, and, and and particularly, you know, as it pertains to those coaches who are in leadership positions, what that might feel like if you're a young player who's going through some growing pains. And, and there's a lot of nuance to this. It's not the only point, but it's one of the points. And I just want to say, um, too, you know, this thing is going to burst. I think we're in a window here where they're looking for a trade. If they can't find a trade, I can't see him remaining a part of the team just because of how the situation has escalated really since the the middle of training camp. And I think, um, you know, it's you're in a patience window with Sean in that you have to find a trade. If you can't find a trade, Sean McVay, we've seen this before like with the Deshaun Jackson, different situation, but we've seen it before. He's sort of taken matters into his own hands. Jared Goff situation, he took matters yeah. into his own hands and sort of forced the issue. So I think you're looking at that. You're in the middle of the Venn diagram right now where the team, yeah. you know, they're calling, they're they're looking and seeing what's possible. So I, I would expect a, a move to be made. And, th- and that would come with Rich, a correlating move at some point too, because I do think this team will make a move for a running back. Yeah, no, you just you segued into exactly what I was going to say is that, uh, yeah, it, it is unfortunate. I understand, like, again, what I said, you know, in a vacuum of information, people want to fill it with their own thing. And that's not always the best thing to do. Let, let this play out. I understand people want answers. They want to know what's going on. Why is this happening? What's going to be the result? And I get it. I'm not saying you shouldn't have those questions. But the the, the jump to uh, certain conclusions or, or certain comments, like, it's just, it's just not helpful. It's not helpful for anybody. And it's not going to make the answers come out any faster um so it's it's not real uh, beneficial but i do understand it there's a lot of passion and interest but uh but jordan this is going to come to some resolution as you said at some point and it's most likely going to leave the rams uh with what they had uh, yesterday uh, on sunday against the panthers which is daryl henderson uh which is malcolm brown which is uh, ronnie rivers uh getting into some action uh which is potentially kyron williams coming back at, at some point uh at, 
after the buy, which would add an interesting uh, wrinkle. But Jordan, there's there's been these little these little puffs of smoke coming up all over the place about what the Rams might do in advance of the trade deadline. And you might say, well, the trade deadline is November first. Why are we talking about this so early? Uh, but you made a great point to me, Jordan, right before we started recording here, is that the Rams are now in their bye week. And if you are going to incorporate somebody, and I'm not just talking about an offense, or excuse me, about a running back. It could be an offensive lineman, too, knowing what their situation is like on the line. Now is the, ide- now is the ideal time to start doing that, to start when they, when they do get back on the field and start practicing again uh, to working uh, those guys in. So I'm, I'm glad you made that point to me, Jordan. And let, let's, just, let's just address the, uh, the the versatile elephant in the room, um, and that is Christian McCaffrey, because the the, the name has come out, um, and for understandable reasons, given his well, first of all, given his talent, uh, second of all, given the situation that they've got going on in Carolina, there, which oh boy, uh, we could we could get into that. What a what a oh boy, I got guys arguing on the sideline. They can't. They couldn't really throw a forward pass. I, that's not a, it's not a great situation going on down there. So uh, makes makes sense, Jordan, and obviously would be a very intriguing thing for the Rams. So that said, there's obviously there's a lot of talk, right? And talk is one thing, action is another. So what are you expecting here over the next I don't know few days, two weeks, whatever it may be? Um, in on that front, I mean, would you be surprised? A, would you be surprised to see Christian McCaffrey moved at all? And and B, how how big of a player do you think the Rams could be in that? Just as a very quick side note, too, when you mentioned the Ford Pass thing, that was actually when I was talking to Bobby Wagner in the locker room post game. He said I was asking him just about the containment plan for Christian because smart teams. I've watched this for, mm, let's see, six years now. <laughs> In person and then from afar, like teams, you, you're never going to fully limit Christian McCaffrey, but you can keep him out of the end zone from doing the most damage in that regard. And you can also sort of bottle him up on those screens and, and those catch and runs yeah. and, and that type of thing. And that was really the Rams plan because as Bobby Wagner said, they really didn't think that they were going to be throwing any real passes, which is what defenders call forward passes versus not real, real passes, passes, which is what they call screens. It's very passive aggressive, so, isn't it? Yeah. So, and, and it's, it wasn't like mean spirited, but it's just like, right. that's what defenders call forward passes, real passes versus screens, which are not real passes. Um, they're right. like a, a arm of the running game if you're defending it. So I thought that was really funny, but the, then, right. and they did do a nice job of that other than that one big catch and run. But I think um, that was what you saw from the Rams defense. I mean, these guys, we're in single high for some of these third down passing, like known passing looks. And they rotated, they cranked Jalen Ramsey down to the line of scrimmage out of single high. That's how much they didn't think <laughs> yeah. that they were going to throw the ball downfield. So anyway, that's, that was a, an interesting, there's a good bit of film out on uh on that play that Jalen made that um, I just thought was really interesting. That third and four, that yeah. uh, tackle for loss. Fantastic. Anyway, um, I don't think it's a stretch to think that Christian McCaffrey could be a Los Angeles Ram by the middle of this season. And I know that sounds like a hot take, but there's some connection here in terms of he and Matthew Stafford have a friendship. He has ties, personal ties to the Los Angeles area. And in terms of the Rams own needs, it aligns with his skill set in terms of getting another catch and run guy, uh, a yards after catch guy, a guy who also can run the ball, but but not just a traditional running back, a running back who, as we've seen with some of the, the concepts that they've run, especially in recent weeks, a guy who can go on the sweeps, a guy who can line up in that double backfield that they've been using with a receiver also alongside Matthew Stafford and sort of carve out a little bit of those contours and, and layers into the defense like we, we've seen the Rams do, especially did very well yesterday against Carolina and also someone who they can utilize in the passing game and, and someone who I think when you're looking at the the layers of this offense, you know, you've got Van Jefferson coming back and he's sort of a, a great top shelf intermediate shelf layer. Cooper Cup is a great intermediate and low shelf layer. Allen Robinson, as we've seen, and I'll get to later on in this podcast, is an intermediate and top shelf layer and also a vertical layer in terms of 
jumping up in the air layer. And now we've seen, as I've been screaming about since May, that he can work into the underneath stuff. And and that's very much what they were doing with him in training camp. And then you kind of think about where Christian would be in this, in this offense. And and you see him all over the place Um, on the underneath stuff. You see him on some of those wheels that they used to run when um, he was matched with Cam Newton in Carolina. You see him on some of the misdirection stuff. You see him really working in when, when Sean McVay talks with such passion about wanting defenses to defend every horizontal blade of grass and also the vertical blades of grass on the field inside and outside the hash marks, you definitely see Christian McCaffrey fitting in there. I would be curious to see, and I think it would be, he would be a really good player running in an outside zone system. That's something that I think he would be um, very good at, if not very gifted at. And then the Rams would obviously, I think, move him more toward the receiving game as he would get you know longer and longer in his tenure. So that's just what I think. I think that there's too much smoke here to not imagine that the Rams aren't interested and they are always interested in upper tier players. And so that's why I think that this is something they'll be curious about. They're not really, I don't think historically they haven't been really in, in, in terms of the trade deadline, the, the big splashes they've made have been player autonomous or their trades in general. They've been a bit more player autonomous, you know, when they um, when they made the move for Jalen Ramsey, that was player autonomous. They were seeking a trade at that point. Matthew Stafford even coming in, you know, and that, that's not pre-trade deadline, but just in his history of their acquisitions and that in in via trade, that was player autonomous in terms of he had a, a huge say in where he wanted to go, and he also had a say in where he didn't want to go. Right. And I think if we get to the point where we're looking at a Christian McCaffrey voicing his opinion and voicing where he wants to be, which I don't know if that's the case now, but in the future, if he does decide to take on that autonomy, as you know, we've seen become more and more understood, I think, societally, when players do take on what I think is rightful empowerment in their decision-making process, um, then I think you might see the wheels begin to move because the Rams are not going to offer a first-round pick. It would be outrageous to offer a first round pick. Um, And it's not like, oh, for a running back. Yes, he's a running back and you don't want to offer a first round pick for a running back. Even a guy as versatile as he is, you because you're inheriting the contract, you do not offer a first round pick. What you can do is you can package together picks and you can work as a little bit of a sliding scale a la Von Miller. And that wasn't really a Von Miller empowered trade, but that was a the season has collapsed and they need to to build for the future kind of trade. So Christian McCaffrey is hitting that Venn diagram very, very perfectly for the Rams. And I definitely think that this is something to watch moving forward. And I don't think it is outside of the realm of possibility, strong possibility for the Rams to be included in sort of this uh, this trade conversation with him. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I don't think your, that's all they're going to do. But enjoy your bye week, Jordan. That's all I have to say. You know, I but, cleared uh, my schedule. <laughs> I hope you didn't weren't going to Hawaii or anything. Um, so all that said, and and you just made another great point that you're like we're, we're on the same page today. You're you're leading me right into what I wanted to say next. But so we'll we'll obviously monitor that. Um, if they make a move on the offensive line here. Um, what do they do? Because like, I, I, and I hate speaking this way, Jordan, and you know this, like I, I hate speaking about Joe Noteboom as though he's some commodity that we're, that we're just discussing as a, as a piece, he's a human being and uh, feel really bad if, if he ends up, you know, having a very serious injury here, but looking at it, practically speaking um, in, in Sunday's game, I moved the, they move AJ Jackson to left tackle and like I haven't watched the all 22, but I, I thought he did a pretty good job. Um, and then they put Ode Boucher in at, at right card. And, you know, there's there's a little learning curve there, I guess you could say. And he had some rough moments to start. But but so my question, Jordan, is if you're if you're looking to upgrade that group now at, at you know, as the deadline approaches and let's assume and I, I know this is a dangerous assumption, but just for the sake of the conversation, let's assume that we're not seeing Joe Noteboom for a while. Um What's the move there? Uh, do you do you feel good about having AJ Jackson at left tackle, and then you maybe look interior, or do you like AJ Jackson at guard, and you say, "Hey, let's go find a tackle who we can uh, plug on the outside." It, it, you know, there's there's a lot of versatility with these guys. So how do they? How do you think they address that? The key factor here is that Alaric Jackson, which by the way he did confirm he prefers to be called Alaric, so we'll go with that moving forward. Yes, but Alaric can Alaric can play guard and left tackle. They don't have many guys who can back up the left tackle if something would happen to Alaric at this point. So, but but if anything happened to a guard, Alaric could always kick inside again and he was actually playing incredibly well at at guard. And I think if you guys want to go back and check those numbers yourself, I had a piece 2 weeks ago about their offensive line and he's producing and playing in pass pro and the pass blocking um, the best of any of their linemen who were available, have been available over the last couple of weeks. And he's a really talented player. And I, I think that, you know, for all of the chatter about the Rams, not investing in, in linemen or, or, or whatever, um, which is, I think a bit short-sighted it's fair in the sense that perhaps they've invested in the wrong starting O linemen, but in terms of some of the reserves that they've had, who've had freak injuries, Alaric is and Coleman Shelton, but we're talking about Alaric right now. He's probably one of the best got like young development guys that they've had in their building in quite some time. And so I, and he's a UDFA. So I think um, when you're looking at him, his movement sort of predicates now what they do, because if you put him at left tackle, which I think would be a great move, but if something happens and everything has happened this season, so now you're preparing for maybe a worst case scenario then and you have, different guys at guard, if something happens to one of those guys at guard, you've got to kick Alaric back inside and you have nobody to play left tackle. So for me, I think that they're they're looking maybe at tackles and there's not a lot of extra tackles sitting around out there. No. Um, one, one, of my co- one of our colleagues, Rich Zach Berman, he retweeted some interesting stuff into my timeline, which is the only way I, that I even thought about this because when you're in a tunnel, sometimes you're not really looking at transactions of other teams. 
But like a guy like Andre Dillard, who kind of got phased out of his own position because of injury, who just came off injured reserve, you know, that's the type of move. Those, those sort of that, that, that knuckle that's sticking out kind of guy who it's not a bad knuckle. It's not a bruised knuckle, but (laughs) you know, he, he, but like it's, but he's kind of now extraneous on the roster and, and, you know, just kind of maybe sitting there. So there's not a lot of those situations around the league, which is why I kind of turn my attention to something like that, but it's in correlation with you really, you cannot, if like, I think, Alaric is their future at left tackle. I tweeted this last year. I had someone text me this last year where, hey, maybe we, you know, after that, after he came in um, because of injury in that, I think it was the Minnesota game, maybe found the left tackle of the future. I agree with that. I think that he could be a long-term, very, very good player for them. And he already is a very good player for them. But if you keep him at left tackle, which I think he would thrive at, but if you keep him at left tackle and something happens, you now have nobody. So in my mind, the smart move is to maybe go out and see if you can find a good serviceable, doesn't have to be all pro serviceable left tackle. And then you have a contingent, not not only do you now have Alaric who can play the hell out of a right guard position, and then you're probably going to put Oday at left guard, or you put Oday at left guard and you put Alaric at right, or excuse me, or you put Alaric at left guard and you put Oday at right guard, which is more of his natural position. Like, you now you have maybe you're cooking now you get Brian Allen back maybe you're cooking now even in an even an emergency and then if something god forbid happens to that left tackle then you have Alaric who's available and then you've now got some guys who are coming back and a little bit healthier on the interior Coleman Shelton's coming back long term um so now you've got a contingency plan working and so i think that that's kind of where my brain goes if i'm putting myself in god help me i've done this to the point of, you know, maybe maybe it's not like personally healthy, but if I'm putting myself in the minds of Les Snead and oh, no. Kevin Demoff <laughs> and Tony Pastors and Sean McVay, which again, right. you guys like say a little prayer for me because that's just too much. I can't, that's not, my brain does not, yeah. it, it's, it can't, can't survive in that, in that state for long. No. Um, but if I'm doing, if I'm thinking that that's exactly the sequencing I'm thinking about, that's exactly the type of move that I'm thinking about. And so I do think they'll move for running back and that running back could be Christian McCaffrey. It could be someone else, you know, another team could really want McCaffrey and they could come swing in high with, with some, you know, overpay or something. I, I don't think on a player um, with, again, with his contract, his injury history, I don't think that the Rams would overpay for a Christian McCaffrey, which is why I say, um, some of this might be on him to pull, maybe start speaking up a little bit inside his own building. And, and right. that would perhaps drive any sort of a, a team team friendly deal on the Ram side that would perhaps drive it down a little bit. Um, if I'm him and I'm sort of playing this, you know, just hypotheticals, obviously. Right. Um, but I think that's not the only thing they're going to do. And I think that they are, I think that they are in the process of evaluating where outside help could come from the offensive line. And that also doesn't mean additionally, that does not mean that they're not also still wanting to evaluate their options at outside linebacker. They haven't had a ton of opportunities to pass rush. Teams are scheming the ball out quickly. Like I said, not real passes in the screen game. And they're, (laughs) they're doing things to mitigate the pass rush a little bit um, and quite a lot in, in some cases, but still I'm not confident in what I'm seeing um, especially on the perimeter and that pass rush. So I think that that's obviously still on the table. So we're looking at maybe at a maximum, the possibility of three moves all can be doable again, the way that yeah. the Rams manipulate and navigate these types of things. But then on the other side, you're looking at players who, you know, could potentially be on the table in terms of packaging together different trade scenarios for other teams to make these things viable options. Yeah. And depending on how these things go, um, you know, and circling back to Cam Akers, you know, if if a trade does go down there, see what kind of assets come back um, in in a trade like that, and you know, can be used to um, help facilitate some of these things that you're that you're talking about. There are also quite a few guys, and and largely, I would say, on the defensive side, who are on the last year of their contracts, hmm. and there are a lot of young guys behind them who have had to, at times, out of necessity, step up over the last couple of weeks. And right. that's something to watch too. There you go. 
Well, Jordan, I was going to say if um, the Panthers had a bye week, you know, like maybe another Cabo meeting with uh, with Sean McVay and Christian McCaffrey. But alas, they don't have a bye week. So we don't, we don't get to repeat. History no, Ernest there. Jones just had to go place him on the Rams sideline yesterday. That's <laughs> that was their stra- yeah. That was the negotiation strategy. That what it like, was. <laughs> Let's come have a conversation. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to to carry you over to the Rams sideline and set sure. you down over there. So, you yeah, can have this just, conversation. just facilitate that process, make it a little bit easier. Um, <laughs> wow. Well, look, there's 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 going to be a lot going on here. And, and by the way, we, we will have an, an episode uh, next week. So uh, who knows what's going to happen between now and then. But either way, uh, we're going to have the ability to dissect this stuff a little bit more and see what happens. It's, it's super, super interesting. The Rams, as we said, never boring. There's never a dull moment. And I can't wait to see what happens here uh, in the next little while here. But Jordan, let's talk a little bit about this game because we, we do spend a lot of time talking about losses. So, you know, we should, in all fairness, talk about when when things uh, do go well. It's a 24 to 10 game, um, a little bit of beauty in the eye of the beholder. I mean, it it is, you know, deep into the well, at halftime, they're losing. The Rams are losing and deep into the third quarter. It's it's a 10 to 10 game that seemed pretty tenuous, although to me, it seemed like the Rams never really lost control of the game. I mean, the the the, the Panthers touchdown that is allowed is a pick six. Uh, the, the defense, as you said early on, Jordan, just not giving up a whole lot at all. Um, and, uh, you know, Carolina has a lot going on, but the Rams did a very good job, as you said, of of corralling uh, Christian McCaffrey and not letting him, um, you know, turn a lot, a lot of three-yard runs, a lot of four-yard runs, but uh, until that one splash play near the end, um, not the big kind of game changers or, or momentum changers. But to me, Jordan, the, the more interesting side, as you alluded to a little bit ago, was, was on offense for the Rams. And it started out with kind of like, oh boy, here we go again just you know not able to move the ball but you saw them or at least I did early on that you know trying some of these things it seemed like they were laying the groundwork a little bit and they weren't always hitting them they weren't always getting the 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 conversions that they needed and things like that but it seemed like this very very slow <laughs> movement towards some offensive progress that you eventually saw bear some fruit uh, in in the third quarter they did a lot of the things that we talked about last week that they should do getting the ball out quickly, you know, using some more screens, uh, using Allen Robinson the way that they did, Jordan, as you as you uh, suggested that they might. I don't know how many guys had carries. I think I saw everybody Four. out there except like everybody. Four receivers. Every, Four receivers. had Yeah. Carries. Yeah. Like that was everybody cool. but Gaston Green and, and Jerome Bettis were out there <laughs> getting uh, carries for the Rams yesterday. So but the other thing is they, they stuck with it, too. You know, it wasn't it wasn't always pretty in the run game, but it was just enough to, to kind of provide that balance. I thought Daryl Henderson ran the ball very well. He looked like he was running with some attitude, with some purpose behind what he was doing, uh, you know, breaking some tackles, getting those extra yards. A couple really, really big third down conversions uh, on that one, and they were long third downs. What were they? They had a third, and it's it's. Uh, this is the point where it's uh, the first over. touchdown. Yeah, yeah, the first touchdown. Yeah. I mean, a third and thirteen on a screen pass to Cooper Cup. Uh, a third and fifteen on a on a run play that. Uh, as they said on TV, I think they were just trying to get a, a closer field goal, and and Daryl Henderson ends up uh, picking up a first down there. Cooper Cup's out there playing with a bad foot. He's still beating people. He's still making plays. I, Jordan, what did what did you think? I mean, to me, it was one of those like this is just they just did what they had to do. It wasn't necessarily the prettiest thing. It wasn't necessarily uh, you know any kind of highlight uh, film that you would want to put out there. Um, but they they did simplify it, which is what we talked about. And and they did what they needed to do to move the ball enough to score three touchdowns and, and win the game. Yeah. And I'm looking for a commenter, I think a man named Chris Osborne, if I'm remembering correctly. I can't find the tweet now. I've had a lot of mentions over the last couple of days, as you can imagine. <laughs> but it made me laugh out loud when I saw it. It was about the Henderson play. And if I get this incorrectly or if I'm not shouting out the right person, please let me know. But I wanted to give a shout out for a good tweet that I saw, which was on the Henderson run. It was like the third and 15 and he got 16 yards. And someone said after finally, after six years, the draw play on the third down finally works (laughs) (laughs) just like they planned. (laughs) 
And I just thought that was so good because we've always called those sort of give up plays, right? Oh, yeah. Carol Henderson, I thought this was notable. If you're looking at the di- dynamics of what their running backs room is looking like right now, emotionally, mm-hmm. um, I think that this was, a, that was a little bit of a statement from Daryl Henderson. I'm not going down with the ship. Like I will not go quietly. I will, you know, step up where I need to. Yeah. And it's not going to be me next, essentially is what he's saying. <laughs> and so that was a, a statement from him. And I thought that was a really impressive run, probably one of the most impressive runs I've seen from him in quite some time. And again, in super adverse situations on a play that we usually call their surrender play or their white flag play um, that we've seen them run a little too often, I think over the past year, um, six games or so. And then certainly in 2020. And I think this is, I knew that this game was going to be different when I saw Matthew Stafford go to Allen Robinson on a first down pass on a quick in Mm. to get some of that, that quick underneath stuff going. And, and then obviously, you know, they finished with that flying fade and that just was really, really pretty play. And, and something again, we've seen them doing through camp and and I'm telling you and you guys could see this after this game I was not BSing you when I'm telling you they're using him in a variety of different ways saw Allen Robinson go in motion um saw Allen Robinson uh, working the sideline working the middle of the field getting some yak plays going which he said felt really good cuz he knew it's something mm. that he was capable of but getting that first real contact and that full contact as a receiver blocking downfield for Ben Skoranek blocking two yeah. guys um, on that touchdown run. On that touchdown run for Ben Skoranek, who gets his first touchdown on a carry. I loved what this team did to manufacture a run game with all of their receivers. Rich, it is what we have we've been talking yeah. about. It's what I wrote about last week. It's what we talked about on the podcast. In that, if you don't have a run game, but you have receivers who do a lot of different things very well and at a lot of different speeds and tempos, especially that core that they have right now in. Cooper, Allen, Skoranek, and Brandon Powell. Um, you're looking at guys who can do those things. Tutu Atwell took a sweep. Yeah, yeah. Hit the hit the highest speed of the game apparently on his one touch, and and that was something where you know you're 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 looking at accentuating what your players that you do have. You're doing that well, and I thought that was yeah. really really commendable. The first dri- the first touchdown drive. I thought it was a good drive in that it, they kept it alive, like through sheer force of will. It seemed like um, yeah. it was kind of like a um, it, it, in that regard, you could see it was like this could go one way or the other after this after this drive, and it all depends on how they came out at halftime. After halftime, you know, after Allen Robinson's sideline catch, so they get three points off of that and a very questionable face mask at the end of that or non call um, at the end of that drive. But you 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 get three points off of that after that sideline catch sort of invigorated the entire, it just seemed to me like all of this Paul, it like, it just like was a, um, yeah, like a, like a, I don't even know what to say. Like it skewered it. I'm like making a sword movement right now. Like it's, it's on guard. Like it's skewered. It lanced it, it. Yeah. It like, yes. it's it. And maybe I'm just doing my game of Thrones rewatch or something, but it's like yeah. it, it just, punctured it right all that that sort of thick pall that was just sort of settling back into the, right. to the stadium because they'd got you know they opened the half by by wasting a drive they'd wasted the two minute they, they were getting they, booed yeah they were getting booed by there and and there were actually i will say i don't know if it i wasn't in the stands i'm in the press box right people were saying on the broadcast i guess they were getting booed by their their own fans i will say though there were actually a really good number of panthers fans that traveled and that's because that fan base supports the hell out of Steve Wilkes. And there were, that was a pretty full section full of, uh, of Panthers fans down in one where some of the road teams usually have their fans sit. Like yeah. there was a pretty good, so I don't, I can't say whether or not, but they, there were booze that, you know, I don't know who yeah. from, but there were yeah. booze. Yeah. And so, and then they come out and they waste the, they waste the, um, they waste their first opportunity with the ball back and then their defense holds again. And, and it's, you know, it's, Allen Robinson making that just insane sideline catch and the toe tap in. And you just felt that Paul, like it forced it out almost. And it just forced out that, like that gloom, you know, and then they go down and they score. And then they, after that, they have the three points. And then after that on the next drive, you know, then they scored consecutive 
touchdowns, which again does so much, but they do it in a way where they're moving the ball horizontally. And as they get the run game going through not just the the two or three different backs that they were using, but also through all the different types of receivers they were using and the layers and the contours that they were setting up as they get the run game going in that regard, then they start moving the pocket. Then yep. they start moving the the play action. Then they start getting the, the explosives, a 20 yard catch, a 22 yard catch, Allen Robinson and Cooper cup. And then, then they start working the field in all kinds of variety of different ways. You see guys like Brandon Powell, who, just inches from getting the ball in the end zone himself. You see some of the setup plays for um, a Ben Skoranek. You see the layers unfolding in manufacturing. You see guys making selfless plays for one another. And I think that that that's what this thing is supposed to look like. Yeah. It's not necessarily, you know, who they're, they're accentuating and doing what you can with the guys you have yeah. and doing it in a way that you can there there. And I asked Sean directly this this week and, now I understand why he didn't answer the question, but I asked him directly, is there a way to get your receivers working with what they do best and also alleviate the stress off your offensive line? Mm-hmm. As it turns out, there are. And sure, yeah. that was a leading question, a very leading question by me. I'll admit that. But also, this is exactly what they did. And I think there's this really great phrase that football people have used since like the dawn of time, and it's the genius of desperation. And there are so there are so many things that this offense still needs to clean up. There are so many things that they need to repair heading into this bye week. But I'm telling you, that was real. That was real problem solving. It wasn't going to look like how they did it before with the 12 personnel. It was not going to look like how they did it before with the, the extra tackle sets. They don't have those guys, as we mentioned in the last podcast. What it did look like was accentuating the variety of things that their guys who are completely bought in to doing those things, accentuating what they do. Brandon Powell is sitting there when Ben Skronik gets the handoff. The other option, it could have on the play there's an option for Brandon Powell to make that play and an option for Ben Skronik to make that play. Ben Skronik's number comes up on that play. He he makes the, the touchdown that gets the sweep on the touchdown through that side with the lead blocking by Allen Robinson. Brandon Powell is on the sideline. He's first, he's celebrating with Ben Skronik. And then he's on the sideline telling Sean, the next one's coming to me. The next one's coming to me. I got next. I got next. I want that call. You know, these, this is a group who they're, you can feel that when the energy shifts like that, when the mood shifts and commend the defense for holding it down the entire time yeah. and holding it steady and know it was not a good offense, but they dominated in a way that was not just what we've seen sometimes this defense do in the past, which is play to the level of their opponent. We've seen, we saw them dominate this group. They had 11 yeah. yards in the third quarter, yeah. 11 yards in the third quarter. One first down. They went through a series of seven drives where they didn't have a first down. So this is, it, <laughs> it was not a good offense that they were playing. No, yeah. but it was an offense that could, that could move the ball. And they showed that in the first quarter with, with some of the McCaffrey stuff that they were doing, but this was not a good offense. No. And it was, it, it's clearly an offense going through change. And there was, you know, Robbie Anderson, who, as we're talking, just got traded to the Cardinals. Like, Oh, wow. All of these things, you know, are happening on the sideline. Like, but <laughs> there, this defense didn't just show up and, and sort of st- stand there as like a, just an object in the way, like they asserted themselves against this offense. They showed up and dominated. And I think, you know, when I get the comments about like, oh, well, you know, they've played bad teams or whatever. No, this offense has put this defense in terrible positions over and over and over again. So even if you're playing against a bad team, you're playing against a bad team with one arm tied behind your back. So the way that this defense has showed up and you finally saw, I almost tweeted this out, but I didn't want to be too snarky. Am I seeing complimentary football in all three phases? (laughs) I swear. Michael Hoyt's returning a kickoff for 22 yards. I'd say that's (laughs) that's complimentary football in all three phases. So I think for me, that's something to build on. As I wrote in my column, which is up on theathletic.com, this will only be what the Rams make of it. Usually when the football side has done something problem solving in this way, the front office meets the moment pretty well or vice versa. And yeah. so I think this progress will only be what this team makes of it. And that is the big storyline of this bye week. And that is what's going to happen over the next two weeks. This moment, the progress they made that they desperately so needed to make against a good defense. 
this progress will only be what they make of it moving forward. Yeah, that, that's a great point, Jordan. And, and to the to the uh, point about, you know, making additions and things like that, I, I think that's I think that's wise. I don't I don't want to throw cold water at all on, on anything that happened on, on Sunday, because I think they did everything that they needed to do. They need. And we talked about that last week. What do you need to do to win this game against the Carolina Panthers? And I think they did exactly what they needed to do to win that game. I don't, however, think that they've suddenly discovered some magic formula that will now carry them through Correct. through the next 11 games. That that is repeatable on a week to week basis. Teams are going to make adjustments to that. I, I was actually surprised during this game, and I mean this is something of a compliment to Carolina because I, I have a lot of respect for their for their coaching staff. I was a little surprised that the Rams got away with those fly sweeps as much as they did, um, especially in the second half. I, I'll tell it, you, I'll tell you why they did because okay. because Allen Robinson was making catches outside the hash marks on the sideline. Yeah, to make so it. Yeah, you saw yeah. you saw the Panthers adjust, and when the Panthers Panthers adjusted to counter. They sent Allen Robinson in motion it and that cleared yeah. Cooper Cup out, out to the up, left yeah. side of the hash marks. So that's yeah. that's why. The, and yeah. that's what it looks like when all those layers are working and and you yeah. have another counterpunch, as we always talk about. Right. And and they had enough of a run game to to sell some of the play action stuff, as as you mentioned before. I mean, that would that'd been a problem too. If you can't if you don't respect the run game, then you're not going to buy uh, some of the play action stuff. So again, good stuff, all all good stuff across the board. But I don't know when you're sitting there looking at playing the 49ers in two weeks that you can confidently <laughs> say like, hey, well, yeah, we, we found it. You know, let's all go on vacation for two weeks. Everything is fine now. Uh, they did what they needed to do to get through that game and they did it very well. But now it's going to be a different challenge coming out of that by week three and three. Again, that division is lined up. It's shockingly, you know, across the board. Uh, pretty mediocre, at least in terms of results. The 49ers have a bad loss to Atlanta on, on Sunday. So everything's right there. I mean, the Rams win that game uh, coming out of the bye and they're in first place in the in the division after all of this, after all of this that we've been talking about. So, uh, Jordan, it's, it's, it's going to be very interesting to watch. Sometimes bye weeks can be boring. Sometimes you look at it and say, what, what's going on? What's going to happen? Not this one. Not this one at all. Um, and I know Jordan will be all over it. We're going to be talking about guys coming back from potentially from injuries. You mentioned Brian Allen, the potential, how that could uh, change things. And, and of course, these uh, transactions, Jordan, that, that may or may not happen. So I've been there. I know exactly how that feels. I know how tethered you're going to be to your phone over the next uh, few days. So I wish you all the best of luck with that, Jordan. <laughs> But it's uh, funny they they said yeah. a couple of people were like and and I it's we say this all the time it's a get to it's not a have to so I'm not sure. saying this to be like oh what was me at all I love this job I love what I do it it literally is what is why I wake up in the morning that and the dog and and that I know <laughs> I have some good cold brew in the fridge and like I think you know it's <laughs> people multiple people asked me yesterday so now it's good. You know, that's been a wow, what a start to the year. And you're probably burned out from last season. You'll probably get, you know, you'll probably get some rest this week. Right. Mm. And I just stare at them. <laughs> <laughs> How do I even begin to explain? Right, right, right. <laughs> the only thing and you're right, Jordan, you make a great point. It, it is it is a, 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 a want to. But uh, the only the only thing you don't want, the only thing you don't want to have happen is is have that uh, alert go off at five in the morning. That's like, hey, there's there's a deal going on. And that's uh, that's not how you want to start the day. The cold brew isn't even ready yet. So yeah, this, you, is you, the, yeah. this is the time of year. I actually and I sh I will shamelessly admit this. I I've done this multiple times in the past, including especially after starting to cover this team. Um, I'll I'll have like very lucid dreams about like <laughs> things that are like trades or um, press conferences or um, interviews or something. And I will email myself in my sleep. So it's like a balance and it, wow. it's, there's been some funny stuff. I've saved all of them. There's been some really funny stuff. One day I'll share some of the, the emails of like, make sure to ask X this or right. things, things like, like reminders. Cause in my daily work, I send emails to myself to remember, to remind myself to do things. Cause there's just a lot going on at all times. And I'll have these drafts in my email, which is like, make sure to ask X 
about this or or right. when X arrives on site, make sure to right. notice this or little detail things. And I'll find my I'll sometimes I'll find I'll have emailed myself, not I guess not in my sleep, but I'm certainly not fully awake. <laughs> and right. so it's a balance between keeping your phone by you so that you're around if people because this job happens at all hours of the night. And as we remember, I mean, the Sony Michelle trade happens overnight. The Matthew Stafford trade happens like at, you know, 1130 PM Eastern time. Um, And I still never drank that bottle of wine, by the way. And (laughs) um, it's, it's like a balance between that and um, like, do, you know, do you actually sleep? Do you do the healthy thing and not have your yeah. phone on your bedside table or whatever? So oh, it's just not, it's that, but that's fine. Like I said, there, yeah. you find yeah. balance in other ways. That's all right. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure you do. Sure. Just keep telling yourself that Jordan. It's everything is fine. <laughs> this time of year, my, my mom will call me this time of year. And instead of saying, how are you? She'll say, are you healthy? <laughs> Oh, well, doing a wellness check on you just to make sure that you're. Oh, well, that's great. We all need those people um, in in our lives. So um, great stuff, Jordan. Check out the pile, uh, folks, if you you haven't already. I mean, we covered a lot of ground here in the in the last 45 minutes, but there's so much more good stuff um, in the pile. So it was good to see the pile come back this week. I missed it. So uh, glad glad to see it return. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen over the next week or so but i do know one thing that jordan will be on top of whatever it is bringing you everything that you need to know so make sure you follow along first of all on twitter at jordan rodrigue so you can get those tweets like you know two or three days before you get them elsewhere uh that, that's always <laughs> nice and um but i love more, the snark rich i love the snark. Uh, yeah no I love it's, it. uh, I, by the way i'm not targeting any one person in it particular makes me happy. I, don't, I don't i don't want to make it sound like i'm going after one person it's more of the culture of the thing um but and then more importantly you don't want to miss what's going to follow those tweets which is some amazing analysis at The Athletic. And if you haven't already subscribed, if you have, by the way, thank you very much. And I mean that genuinely. No snark whatsoever. We really do appreciate you. Um, But if you haven't, great opportunity. Right now, get in on the bye week. You won't miss anything. Go to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel right now. And you'll make Jordan happy by getting her favorite thing in the entire world, which is what? A great discount you guys every single time you subscribe to the athletic through the 11 personal personnel podcast you get my favorite thing in the world which is a great discount guys it is going to be an interesting next couple of weeks and then a very long backstretch that the rams have to do everything in their power to be prepared for um i'll be on the ground rich and i'll be covering in detail every single thing that happens between then and now and beyond in the meantime Hope you guys are taking care of each other. Hope you're taking care of yourselves. Stay hydrated. Stay healthy. We'll catch you next time.